Okay, good morning. Boker Tov. <clears throat> it's great to be back to our weekly dose of Emuna. And this week we're going to study a piece by the Islam Rabbi, by the Nesiva Shalom, Rav Shalom Noach Barzovsky. And it's connected to Pashas Mishpatim, but as we do every Wednesday, the pieces that we study are just broad, general attitudes or approaches towards Emuna. Because as we mention every single week, the goal is to have a conversation of Amuna and to remain mindful and cognizant of Amuna, because the Amuna muscle is one that needs to be worked out, other, otherwise it atrophies. So the Son of says the following, Anshe Kodesh Tiyunli, a Pasuk in this week's Parsha Mishpatim, we should be people of holiness, God says, be people of holiness, you should be for me. Isa b'mechilta, mechilta is Medrash Allah. it says in the Medrash, Rabbi Yishmol Omer, Kishatem Kedoshim, Bishmal understands from the Pasuk that when we are holy, when we're sacred, when we're consecrated, that is how we fulfill being Li, being for God. And where does the Medrash know this from? From the extraneous word in the Pasuk of Li. The verse really should have said, Be holy. What does it mean, Be holy for me? Be holy to me. So the Medrash concludes the extraneous word li in the verse, the word for me is totally unnecessary. If God's mandate, if His purpose was to live elevated lives, live mindful lives, live holy and sacred lives, then we should do all of those things for those things. What do you mean li? Do them for me. Elamai, what do you see? What it means is, when are you for God? When are you giving God nachas ruach, so to say? When you live a life of kedusha, when you live a life of holiness. As to you, Shali, to you dvukim v'ashem izbarach. Through this we can understand what God was saying before He gave us the Torah. And last week's Pasha Yisra we read that our mandate, our mission as a people is to be what? We are to be a nation of priests, a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. What does it mean to be mean to be a kingdom of priests? What does it mean to be a kingdom of priests? Mamleches Kohanim. To summarize what the Jewish people are to be, we use the phrase Or Lagoyim. But really, a Mamleches Kohanim We are to be a nation of priests and a holy people. What is a nation of priests? What's the role of a priest within a people? The priest leads the avoda. the Kohen leads the avoda, the service of God. But more than that, if you have to describe the role, what is the role of the priest? The purpose of the priest is to be a role model, is to be a spiritual mentor and teacher, is to be a spiritual activist. The, the, the priest is supposed to represent the values and the lifestyle of what the religion is supposed to be. That's what it means to be a priest. So what a priest is to a particular people, the Jewish people are to be to the world. The same way we have Kohanim within our people, and they lead the Avoda, and they have greater restrictions. The Kohanim has greater restrictions upon them. The great Kohanim have greater responsibility. Because of that, Kohanim have greater privileges. We honor the Kohanim. The Kiddashto, Kohen gets the first Aliyah, the Kohen Duchins, the Kohen, you're not allowed to, Shachanar quotes this, it's based on the Apostle Kiddashto and Sefer Vayikra, you're not allowed to benefit from a Kohen. So if you're sitting, you can't ask the Kohen, could you get up and get me a drink? 
Kohen has to be treated with a certain deference, a certain respect. There's a whole discussion in the commentaries. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll let you off the hook. You're smarty, so you take care of your husband anyway. But the the um, the, uh, the, um, the commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch all have a debate. It was a compliment, absolutely. The commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch all have a very interesting analysis where they say, "Can we really prove that our kohenim today are miyuchasim? Do we know that our priests today are really priests?" The whole world has gotten so uh, so confused and mixed up. So, therefore, if you can't prove that you're really a priest, are you deserving? Are you worthy? Are you entitled to the honor? What? There are genetic tests, but the genetic tests don't prove anything because it could come from the mother, not the father. The genetic line. It could come from intermarriage. There's there's issues. I actually want to give a whole on the genetic testing. But anyway, there are certain names which are more muhzak, names which are more, there's more confidence that you're really calling, like Rappaport. Um, the Shach, Rav Shabsai Kohen Rappaport was a commentary on the Shulchan But there are certain names which are more muhzak. Cats. Cats, there are a lot of cats. There's a lot of cats who aren't calling them. They're Kohen's. In any case, the point is, the same role that the Kohen plays within the people is the role that we as a people are supposed to play to the nations of the world. So here too in this verse, You should be a kingdom of priests and a holy people. Why does it say, You should be for me. What is God talking about, be for me? Just you should be. What do you mean, li? Shagam kan tevas li miyuseres lachora. Says the Slanam Rebbe. Here too, the word li is extraneous. It's extra. Shayadai baomro vatem tiyimam lachas konim v'gay kadosh. It would have been enough to say, be a kingdom of priests and a holy people. Ella hakavana, but rather, what does it mean? Vatem tiyu li. Be from me. You want to be on my team, says God. You want to be connected to me. You want to be serving me. You want to be giving nachas to me. In Ritzon Chamlio Sheli, if you want to be associated and identified with me, Aleichem Lios Mamlechas Kanan Vegay Kadosh. You can't ignore the mandate. You can't ignore the mission. You can't ignore the way I've designed you as a people. You can't ignore my wishes for you, my children, and then say, oh, this is my father and I love him, we're so close and we're so tight. And meanwhile, you're neglecting my lifestyle, you're neglecting my values, you're neglecting everything. If you want to be Lee, you want to be associated with God? You want to express that you have emuna, that you believe I exist, you believe I'm involved in your life, you have gratitude for what I've given you, the blessings that you have? Then fulfill your mission. Then live your purpose. Then be who you're meant to be, which is a nation of priests and a holy people. What does it mean to be a nation of priests? Rashi Farish, Kohanim Sharim. What does that mean? It means being of service. Like the word sherut, sherut le'umi, national service. It means the same way the priests serve in the temple, so too we are to serve in the world. We are to be role models of kindness and chesed and compassion. We are supposed to teach what it means to live an ethical and a moral life, what it means to have purity and innocence and modesty. We're supposed to teach values. We are supposed to be of service to others, to create a Kiddush Hashem. God chose us as a result of our great-great-grandfather choosing Him. And He told us, I want you to be the honor society. Whenever I meet with potential converts, conversion candidates, I give them the same spiel. I say the following. 
They say, you know, people think Judaism is an elitist religion, that we think we're better than other people. But it's entirely wrong. It's not true at all. Our great-grandfather, God created a world. I'll give you the two-minute version of the history of the world. God created a world, and the Medrash tells us that he originally intended on sharing his Torah with the entire world. The Torah is the blueprint of creation. The Torah is the prescription. How to relate to time, how to relate to physical pleasure, how to relate to food, how to relate to people. It's the prescription for the world. And God intended on sharing his Torah, in fact, with the entire world. But what happened? The world proved entirely unworthy. What are the first three stories of the Torah, post Gan Eden? It's the story of Cain killing Hevel, the Dora Mabel, the Dora Flaga, of Cain killing Hevel over jealousy. And you have the story of the flood, which is the result of, or the, door, the story of the, uh, the flood, which is the result of giving into temptation, Taiva. And you have the story of the tower, Migdal Bavel, which is Nasalan and shame. We're going to make a name, we're going to climb to the heavens. And God says, you know what? Not so fast. So, um, what are these three stories? Kinnah, jealousy, taiva, lust, and kavod, honor. And the Mishnah in Pirkei Elvis concludes, Hakinah v'atava v'akavod motzina sa'adam mina olam. These three character traits remove you from the world. So God says, what? I'm going to give the Torah to people who live this. They're missing the point of life. They're self-centered, egocentric, narcissist, pleasure-seeking. They totally miss the point of life. I'm going to give them my Torah? Forget about it. I'm holding my Torah. I'm keeping my Torah from me. And all of a sudden he notices Abraham, Avram. It's alright, it's alright. He notices Avram. And Avram is categorically different than everyone else. Everyone else only cares about themselves. All Avram cares about is everybody else. Everybody else is bowing down to idols. Avram discovers monotheism. Or he actually promotes ethical monotheism. So God says, Avram, you get it. You've chosen what I always imagined from the world. And because of that, I'm choosing you in return. And I'm going to make you and your children after you the model for the world to learn from. So I always tell conversion candidates, the Jewish people are like the honor society of the world. In the honor society, if you make good grades and you have good character, then you have certain privileges of being in the honor society and you have certain responsibilities. You have greater obligations and responsibilities to be in the honor society. What is the honor society? A teacher has a classroom of kids, they're throwing spitballs, they're talking to one another, they're ignoring the teacher, and there's the one little kid sitting next to the desk who's hanging on the teacher's every word, who just wants to listen and learn. So the teacher says, you know what? You're the honor society. And anyone can join the honor society. If you make the grade, and you keep up the proper behavior, anyone can join the honor society. You can have the privilege of being part of it. You just have to agree and live up to the terms of it. Meet the criteria and live up to the expectations of it. Anyone can join the Jewish people. We're not intrinsically better than anyone else. Anyone's welcome to join the Jewish people. You just have to keep up the grade. You just have to keep up the lifestyle and the behavior. You can't join the honor society because you think it's going to get you a better job. Or you think it's going to get you a better husband or wife. Or you think it's going to bring you some kind of esteem. You can join the honor society of the Jewish people if you keep the mitzvahs. If you observe the halacha and if you live the lifestyle. Anyone can join. We're not any better than anyone else. That is, so we didn't, we're not the chosen people, we're the choosing people. Avram chose God, and God reciprocated and chose Avram in return. What were the three things, lust, jealousy, and... Lust, jealousy, and honor. Kina, Tava, and Kavod, honor. The generation of the tower said, we're going to make a name for ourselves. Nasa, Lan, shame. we'll build a tower that gets up to the heaven. But honor in a negative sense. Honor, the pursuit of honor. The pursuit of honor. The pursuit of honor. Right, not honor like honorable, but honor like the pursuit of honor. So actually, that's what our rabbis looked at the first three stories of the Torah and said, wow, <laughs> look at the result of pursuing jealousy, lust, and seeking honor. What's the result? 
God destroys the world and he withholds his Torah. So what do you see? They remove you from the world. And what do they see then? What are the next three stories in the Torah? Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And what are those three stories? Torah, Avodah, Gemilas Chasadim, which are Shlosha Dvaram HaOlam Omeg. So they say three things remove you from the world. Those are the first three stories when God holds back the Torah. Three things upon which the world rests. Torah, Avodah, Gemilas Chasadim, Torah, observance and study, Avodah, the service of Hashem, and doing Chesed. Those are the three pillars upon which the world rests. Where do the rabbis know that? That three things remove you from the world, and three things are the foundation of the world. It's very simple how they knew it. They opened the Chumash. They studied the first stories of Torah, and they understood it. So coming back here, the Salam Rebbe says that what does it mean to be part of a kingdom of priests? It means that we are chosen. We chose God. He reciprocated and chose us. We are to be an exalted and elevated people. We are not to be connected with lowly, degraded, decadent, immoral, corrupt, compromised behavior. We are to be a different people. We are to be a holy people. Throughout the Torah, you see that once we are born as a nation, God over and over and over again says, you are to be distinguished. Jew walks down the street, people should say, wow, look how regal, look how modest, look how humble, look how dignified, look how honorable, look how ethical. Anyone who interacts with a Jew in business should say, I love working with Jews. Observant Jews, they are the epitome of honesty and integrity, of dignity. We should, they should interact and watch the way we eat. Look at observant Jews, they should be healthy and exercise and thin and say, wow, Jews understand that you're supposed to connect to food. Just look at Jews and say, look at their relationships, look at their parenting, look at their kindness, look at their... That's the way... Did I tell you this story? I don't remember where I told the story. I heard a, um, Dr. Pelkovitz talked about a, a uh, seminar that he went to with a psychologist who deal with abuse. And a woman got up and told her story. And she shared how she was a non-Jewish woman, she was non-Jewish, and she was abused as a child herself, and she suppressed all the trauma of that abuse. She never dealt with it. And she just lived her life. And, uh, and she married, and, and things were not going well in her marriage. Her own husband was, was neglectful uh, of her, of the children. Anyway, for whatever reason, she found herself driving on a Sunday morning through Teaneck, New Jersey, of all places, for whatever reason. And she saw a pizza store, she was hungry, she stopped for lunch, she went to the pizza store. And on a Sunday morning in the Jewish community, you can often find in a pizza store fathers with their children. Right? Sometimes it's mom's day off, or the father's off from work, so he takes the kids out, or it's after the little league, the sports leagues. So she's in this pizza store, and she's totally stunned by seeing these fathers who she concludes are so attentive to their children in this pizza store. Like a pizza store of dads spending time with their kids attentively and lovingly. And even though her entire life she had suppressed the trauma of being abused, for some reason this was her trigger. In abuse, there's something called the trigger. And this was her trigger that she was all of a sudden flooded with negative emotion and the trauma of what she did not have and that she had the opposite of the love that she was seeing in this pizza store. So anyway, she goes and she undergoes major counseling to deal with this trauma and 
part of her therapy is she wants to figure out what's, what's special about this pizza store, which she had no idea was kosher. She just happened to go be driving through a Jewish community and stop in the pizza store. And in her research, she finds out that this is a kosher pizza store, an observant community, and most of the people there are Jewish. And fast forward, she converts to Judaism, she gets a PhD, and she becomes an expert in child abuse and, and trauma. Now, and now, does that mean... Right, so just to clarify... Does that mean every time you stop at a Jewish pizza store, you're gonna walk away with the best impression? <laughs> right? I, I know, I know well. I, I know well that the real miracle of that story is that the right people were in the right pizza store, the children were behaving in the right way, and the dads, whatever. Like so, that, that's the real miracle of that story is that everything was right. But the point is, what does it mean to be a mamlachas konim in Goy Kadosh? What does it mean that God chose us and gave us this Torah? What does it mean to be, and this is what the Salam Rebbe is driving at, what does it mean to be Li, to be for God, to be on His team, to be living with Amuna, is to be living the mindful, heightened life that the, the dignified, royal, regal, ethical, elevated, exalted life that people look at and point to and say, wow, I want that. I want to be that kind of mom. I want to be that kind of dad. I want to have that kind of marriage. I want to be healthy. I want to be disciplined. I want to be, that's, I want to be honest. I want to be, that's really spiritual. I want to be um, faithful. I want to be, that's what we are supposed to, that's our mandate. That's our mission. Yes. Charles stops the tantrum. Right. Everybody wants to know why. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That that, that power too. Exactly. So that's what it means, Lee. That's what it means to be for Hashem. Many times we find that God says, for you to be for me is not just that you can fill the fish or like Hanukkah candles, you know, you're culturally Jewish. To be for me is to live a life of sanctity and holiness. It means that while the rest of the world is prussed, and speaks in a prost way and tells dirty jokes and uses inappropriate language and forwards inappropriate emails, that you speak in a dignified, royal way. It means while the rest of the world dresses, or the rest of the world practices, the rest of the world behaves in ways that are... People look at the Jews and see that there's holiness, that there's sanctity still. The last bastion of holiness and sanctity in this morally depraved world. Over and over and over again, you see, when there's a reference to our being a people, when there's a reference to our character and our definition as a nation, you always see it associated with the word Kedusha, to be holy. This notion of being holy is not about specific mitzvahs. The way you're holy is not by having many chumras and Shabbos. The way you're holy is not by having lots of chumras and kashras. The way you're holy is not by having lots of chumras, lots of stringencies in a specific halacha. Ela al-kadesh atzmacha b'muterlach. The way you're holy is to sanctify yourself even in that which is permissible to you. You know, the Ramban is a famous comment that Kedoshim Tiyu, in the beginning of Parshas Kedoshim in Sefer Vayikra, the Ramban says that it means this is an azhara, this is a warning not to be a manuval b'shus What's a novel versus a Torah? How do we use the word, the term manuvel? A manuvel is a low life. You could be a low life versus a Torah. What does it mean a low life versus a Torah? Like you sit on the couch all day drinking beer or watching reality TV. Have you violated a specific halacha in, in, uh, in Shulchan Aruch? 
No, you haven't no, violated specific. You're Bishusa Torah. You've not violated anything wrong. But you're living the life of a low life. Like you're 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 that's not a sanctified, exalted, mission driven, light onto the nations life. That's not what we're meant to be, who we're meant to be. So that's what Kedoshim is not a stringency and a halacha and the minutia. It's a lifestyle. It's an attitude. It's a mentality. To be holy is to draw attention to holiness. Right? What do we talk about? That our mission, our mandate, we gave a Shabbat Shuvah about it. When was that? Last year? Two years ago? Of Kedoshim, of, of Kiddush Hashem. That our mission is to create Kiddush Hashem in all that we do. That's the campaign that we need. We have Lashon Hara campaigns, and we have the Shabbos campaign, and we have the This campaign. What I was trying to do with that Shabbos Shuvah Drusha was launch a, a uh, Kiddush Hashem campaign. For a while I was posting on Facebook and Twitter, linking to stories of Jews who made a great Kiddush Hashem. Right? This Rechnitz is in Ireland on his way to Israel, and he buys meals for 400 American soldiers because he oh, sees yeah. they're eating paper bags. That's a Kiddush Hashem. Every story in every secular newspaper and on CNN and Fox show a guy in a yarmulke, an Orthodox Jew, is buying 400 meals for American soldiers. That's Kiddushim to you. That's, that's Kiddush Hashem. To sanctify God's name. That's who we are. Not to be novel B'Shosh Torah. You're in the middle of a long flight. You're exhausted, so you'll be a novel B'Shosh Torah in the corner of the airport. Yes? I think even more you know, dangerous is are people who are so medoptic in every part of halacha, obvious halacha, right. like being Adam Lechavero, they're not nice to people. Absolutely. They don't yeah. talk to Gaim, you know. That's exactly what he's going to get to. Exactly. You're, no, no, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. The Torah warns us many times. And that's exactly, now he's explaining the Pasuk. Sanctity, living a life of Kedusha, is a prerequisite. It's a condition to a relationship with Hashem. Amos I attempt to you, when are you for me? Keshetiyu mamleches konim, mivchar anoshiyus v'goy kadosh. As to you, Shali. When are you, in fact, for me? You know, when are you giving God nachas? When are you on God's team? When are you identified and associated with God? When you are living the life that He meant for us to live. For a Jew, living this life is a prerequisite to being a Jew. It's the foundation of being a Jew. We found when it comes to many mitzvos, they end with the words, Why should you be holy? God says, because I'm holy. Or because I am the Lord your God. So in other words, we find the command, the mandate to be holy, often concluding with the words, why should you be holy? Because I'm holy. Or why should you be holy? Because I'm the Lord your God. You see in Parsha Shemini it says, because I'm the Lord, you should be holy and be holy because I'm holy. You always find God saying, You should be holy because I'm holy, or because I'm God. This seems to be the reason that our holiness somehow is an extension of or draws from God's holiness. And he says, this, We can understand this. Based on what it says, What is the purpose of Torah? What is the purpose of living this life? 
is to cling to God. You know what the, the essence of mitzvahs is? The 613 mitzvahs are 613 opportunities to cling to God, to connect to God, to be with God. What does that mean? What is the greatest form of flattery? To imitate. Imitation. So what is Tariq mitzvahs? Essentially, it's imitating God. God is ethical, God is disciplined, God has self-control, God is elevated, God is exalted, God is dignified, God is honest, God has integrity. All the 613 mitzvahs are opportunities to imitate and to emulate God, which is the greatest form of flattery, which leaves you feeling most connected and most closest to God. And that's why each time it says, be holy because I am holy, what God is saying is, you want to feel close to me? Imitate me. Emulate me. Be like me. I find myself saying this to my children all the time. You know, you, you, say, you, you say, no, yeah, you say you love me. You say you're committed to me. So embrace the values that I'm telling you I hold most dear. Be part of the life that we say is the most important. Our job is to inspire. Our job is to motivate. But, you know, Abby Weiss has this uh, famous story of his father, uh, who was um, coming into New York and needed him to pick him up from the airport. And he said, you know, Abba, I love you. You mean the world to me, but I just, I can't, I'm busy, I can't come to the airport. And he says, okay, but I, I really need the ride. I need somebody to get me. Abba, you, I can't tell you how much I love you. You're my Abba. You mean everything. I love you more than anything. A person's son couldn't have more love for a father. I, if I give anything to the world, I love you so much. I just can't do it. And this went on and on and on until his father finally said to him, Avi, love me less and pick me up from the airport. Right? So, so what, what is the essence of that story? Love me less and pick me up from the airport. Is that, like, don't tell me how much you love me. Show Do what me. matters to me. Actions. Show me. Mm-hmm. Actions speak a lot louder than words. So, you know, if, if your children love you, it doesn't mean in this world of autonomy and children have a right to discover who they want to be and why do they have to be exactly like you because you, these are your values. Why does that mean they have to be their values and you're depriving them of their individuality and blah, 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 blah. All this stuff that our parents and grandparents never had to deal with. So despite all of that, despite, maybe they did, but not nearly as much as we do. So despite all of that, the bottom line is that that is nachas that you give parents is to embrace what matters to them. That's the greatest nachas that you can give a parent is to come to the conclusion and reach the decision and embrace the choices and live the life and follow the values that, that are the most meaningful. I'm not saying because the father's a doctor, the kid has to be a doctor. But I mean that if it matters to me to be you know, one of the most meaningful, satisfying in our home, I try to place a lot of emphasis, and I have this from my own parents, and, and Yechavit and I place a lot of emphasis on, on honesty, on doing what's right, as I'm sure we all do. So Yechavit once took the kids, this goes back a few years, she once took the kids to uh, some amusement park, or I don't remember what the activity was. Anyway, there was a line, and um, they were on the line, it was going on forever, and for whatever reason, they left the line, they gave up on the ride, they did something else, and they saw that the person where they were, that line, they hadn't even reached the front of the line. So one of my kids said to Yocheved, okay, let's, let's go back to our place in the line. Right? We were rightfully there. So one of my other daughters said, Abba would be very disappointed if we did that. That's not, that's not the right thing to do. Abba would be disappointed if we did that. Right? I heard that. Oh, I probably smiled for a month long. That's like the greatest moment of Nachas that you say, I've been trying to inculcate a value, I've been trying to drive home a value, and then you find out about a story about your child being in a circumstance where they got it. 
They got it. They lived the value. So is there a greater nachas? Is there a greater sense of connection? Is there a greater sense that that's your child, that that's, that that's your, your continuity, that that's your impact, your, your impression in the world is through that child? So the same is true for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has values. He created a world for us to live a certain way. And when we embrace those values and we live those values and we model and we emulate those values, nothing could give Hashem greater nachas and nothing could make Him feel more connected to us. So that's why it's a mamlachas konim vatem tiyu li. You want to be li? You want to be from me? You want to continue what I care about? You want to fulfill the prerequisite of our relationship? You want to give me nachas ruach? Then I'm holy, you be holy. I'm disciplined, you be disciplined. I'm dignified and moral and ethical and honest, you be all of those things too. And that's why there's always, says the Salaam Rabbi, this connection. You have a muna in me, you honestly believe I'm here. If you love God, pick him up from the airport. If you love God, live the life that He intends for us. And every time that you don't live the life, every time we don't live the life He intends for us, it's actually a moment of kfira. It's a moment of denial of Hashem. You can't claim to believe in Hashem and then neglect what He wants from you. If you really believe in an omnipotent, infinite, all-knowing, all-controlling being, you would be incapable of neglecting what He wants from you. In those moments that we do neglect, it's a momentary, it's a moment of insanity. It's a momentary lapse of judgment. It's a, it's a moment of, of insanity where we just lost our minds and we forgot God exists in that moment. Because you can't simultaneously feel connected to God and ignore Him. It's, just, it's an impossibility. So it must be that in the moment of ignoring Him, you somehow rationalize that you're not really sure He exists. It's a moment of, of doubt. So the greatest form of flattery is imitation, is to emulate Hashem. And that's why each time Hashem says, Be holy, be sacred, be mindful. He says, why should you do those things? Because I'm that way. And if you want to be Li, if you want to be, as he starts out, Anshay Kodesh Chiyu Li, if you want to be Li, if you want to be mine, if you want to be connected with me, you want to bear my name, then this is the precondition. Then this is the prerequisite. Continuing in the bottom paragraph in the right column, Those who engage in the mystical teachings, never stop repeating two verses. What are the two verses that are in the uh, dripping off the lips of the really holy people? What are the two verses that everywhere they go and every time in their day, when they're driving their car or standing in their kitchen or they're at work, what verses are they constantly repeating over and over again? Two verses. Do what is just and good in the eyes of God and kedoshim to you. It's like they walk around with two Petex, two notes in their pocket. They have two alerts buzzing on their phone all day. One alert is, Vasisa Yashar Vatov, do what is right and good in the eyes of God. And the other is, Kedoshim to you. What does this mean? What does it mean that we have a tradition that the holy mystical ones walk around with these two teachings, these two verses, constantly in their minds? After all 613 mitzvahs are given in the Torah, Nemru od beis psukim elu, these two verses are given, hakololim inyanim shalot sivsa aleim ha-Torah beferosh. This is my favorite insight. One of my favorite insights. You know, you can't legislate, you can't regulate everything. The Torah can't imagine every single possibility that could possibly come up in life. The Torah couldn't imagine it. So you could tell us general rules that regulate behavior. Don't steal, don't have adultery, don't murder. Eat this, don't eat that. Here are the 39 categories of Shabbos. But every single possibility and, and combination in life, 
Torah could never possibly have legislated. So what happens? After giving the 613 details, now the Torah comes along and gives a general overview. And what's the general overview? Number one, It means, when you're about to confront having to make a decision, and you look in Shochan Arach, and it doesn't say clearly anywhere there whether it's right or wrong, what should you do at that point in that dilemma? Ask yourself the following simple question. What would God want me to do? Now the Christians stole that from us and they ask somebody else. But we have, Vasisa Yashar Vatov. What would God want me to do? What's Yashar Vatov? I once wrote a whole article about this. I picked a fight with a prominent website that likes to promote deals. And included in promoting deals, he likes to promote when, when websites may have a glitch and they make a mistake. And he'll say, quickly. So they just had this, uh, this just happened three weeks ago. Just happened three weeks ago that Target had an error on their website and you were able to buy a $15 gift certificate for $10. So he quickly promoted it and everybody was constantly, he looked at the comments, yeah, I bought 700 of them, I bought 1,000, I bought 15 of them, I bought... And so I once wrote an article and I just said, you know, can, cause, and this individual like, likes to defend it and prove through Shulchan Aruch and through sources that, you know, it's not entirely wrong, it's not wrong at all, you can prove that it's right. So I just wrote an article and I said, does it stand up to the test of what would God want me to do? Would God want me to take advantage? Right? If you own Target, your family owned Target, would you want other people doing this to you? This taking advantage of a mistake, of a computer error. The airlines... There's a computer error, uh, error of an airline or of a store or of a franchise or of a whatever. If you owned it or you were an investor in it or it was your brother's store, would you want people taking advantage? What do you think God wants you to do? Public promotes it. Public promotes it. Like if, you, if something is wrong or not labeled, they, you get it for free, for example. You know, they, it's like a... It's so a check they, in right. their system. So, so, good. So, so if they promote that because yeah. it's a check in their system and they're happy about it, it. Right. that's fine. I'm not saying... I'm not no, no, saying, I understand. I understand. I understand. But I'm just, I'm giving that as an example of what Vasisa Yashar Batov says is, would God, would God want you to do that right now? You know, there are, there are decisions we make every single day that you can't find the answer in Shachan of exactly what to do. So those are the moments to stop and say to yourself, what does God want me to do? What would give God nachas? What would give God pride in me in this moment? Right, you see God in your mind's, in your mind's eye. So that's the first verse. And that's Bein Adam Lechavero. In my interpersonal relationships... I should ask myself, what would God want me to do? You should go above and beyond. Even things that are not explicit, even teachings that are not explicit, one should go above and beyond. So the first teaching that the holy people walk around with is to always ask themselves in every interpersonal reaction in a business setting and in life, what would God want me to do? What's the right thing to do now? She is Kaddish, and the second teaching is to walk around saying, Kedoshim to you. She is Kaddish gam ben yanam The second thing is between man and God. You know, Rabbi Asher Weiss, our distinguished guest that we had this past Shabbos, one of the greatest rabbis of our generation, who literally knows Shas by heart, literally. And, and he's a brilliant mind. You know, made us see him on the entire encyclopedia by like 10 years old. I walked around with him on Sunday afternoon. We, I took him, he loves animals. When he was a young child, he wanted to be a zoologist. So we went to go see animals. So he was reciting all kinds of random facts. He said, did you know that there are only four snakes in North America that are poisonous? 
So brilliant in Torah and non-Torah. So on Shabbos morning, he coined an amazing expression. Those of you who were there. He said that Judaism obligates us to live a life of passion and compassion. Passion ben Adam lamakom and compassion ben Adam lachavero. Judaism is about passion between man and God and compassion between man and man. It's a beautiful expression, a great expression. And that's exactly what the Salaam Rabbi is saying, is that the, the, the holy society, they walk around with two alerts buzzing on their phone, with two notes in their pockets. One says, Asisa Live life between man and man. Always ask yourself, what's the right thing? Do the right thing. Do the just thing. And the other is, Kedoshim to you. Between man and God, be holy, be modest, be exalted. Live a life of mindfulness. A Jew who wants to climb to a high level in the service of Hashem. You believe in God? You feel God's involved in your life? You're grateful to God for the blessings that you have? You want to cling with and stick to God? Then the way to do that is right? Just like as a parent, you say to your child, you want to be like me? You want to be mine? You want to be on my team? Then be like me. Then, then, then cherish my values. Then live our lives. Then, then live the life that, that, that I've tried to teach you is the valuable life. So the same thing with Hashem. The Mishnah says in Pirkei Avos that anyone in whom there is the people have trust and love, then God can trust and love. But anybody who ruach abriach ain't onochaimenu, anybody who who is not—I don't even know how to translate these expressions. How do you translate meurav imhabrios? Somebody who's pleasant with people, who's beloved by people. If if you want God to love you, then be beloved by His children. And if His children can't stand you, then there's an excellent chance He's not going to love you. Right? I say this all the time. Also, if you want me to love you, then you better be kind to my children. If you're cruel to my children, I don't care what you do for me, you're out. You're on the outs. If you're unkind, if you're obnoxious, if you're cruel, if you've done something hurtful to my child, there's nothing in the world, that, no kindness in the world you could do for me which is going to make me like you at all. And on the other hand, even if you're not entirely kind to me the way I wish you would be, but you're very kind to my children, you're on the end. And the same is true with the Rebona Shalom. The way we treat his children is the prerequisite to his being open to a relationship with him. Because the other human beings that we associate with, they're God's children. They're God's other children. You know, we, we, um, Rabbi Yanki Horowitz once spoke in our shul and he said, I think that when Mashiach comes, he's going to come to BRS first. (laughs) And he explained why. It was a great Shabbos morning, so we wouldn't have it on tape. But he explained why. He said... You know, if, if you have ten children and nine of your ten children each have one other child that they're not talking to, whose home they won't go to. They're friendly with most of the other children, but they have one child that they won't go to. And there's the tenth child who's close with all the other siblings, who goes to all their homes and they all come to his home. Whose home as a parent are you going to love to spend the most time in? The child whose home is open to all the other children. So that's what he said. Bogart on synagogue are diversity and the many minyanim and you know in many other communities these are all separate shuls. They're different homes. They can't live in the same house. And they don't go to each other's homes. And there's the shul I go to, the shul I don't go to, the shul I would never step foot in. So he says a home where all of God's children can feel comfortable and belong, that's where God, that's where Mashiach is going to come first. So that's what it says. 
if the prerequisite, the prerequisite to God being open to a relationship with you is the children loving you. Now you'd say, what does one thing have to do with the other? So what if I'm not honest in business? So what if I'm not kind and I don't say good Shabbos? So what if I this, that, and the other? But I make brachas, and I'm the most machmir in the Shabbos, and I shuckle better than anyone in the entire shul. What does one thing have to do with the other? A God loves only the person who's kind to his children. What it means is, Ruach HaBrichos means, you're honest in business. You hold the door. You say good Shabbos to everyone, especially the people not like you. You're kind and you're loving and you're compassionate and you're good and you have that reputation and you make a Kiddush Hashem. It means that we can't separate the two things. It's not that I have my interpersonal life and then I have my relationship with God. It's through the interpersonal relationship that I get close to God. It's by following His value system. It's by living an exalted life. It's by caring about my fellow man that is the mechanism, that is the means through which I end up with the result of being Dovok Bashem. How do I cling to Hashem? How do I feel close to Him? Through my relationship with people. And living a exalted, holy, sanctified life. And that's what the Shomer Amunim says, Always ask yourself, five million times every single day, is this what God would want me to do? And am I achieving a level of Kedusha? If somebody looked at my life, what I watch, what I read, how I speak, what I email, how I dress, how I conduct myself in business and in life, if someone looked at me, would they say they live a life of Kedushin, of Kedusha? They are a person of Kedusha. Or would they say, no, Lashon Hara and the Prost, and they're, they, they, they uh, try to um, cut corners, and they this and they that, they're unkind, they're insensitive, they're neglectful, they're, they're self-centered. Are we living a life of the combination of these two things? Rasisa Yashur and Kedoshim There's a lot more he has here, but uh, we'll have to end here. But this is coming full circle. This is what he means. Va'anshe Kodesh Tiyun Li. Why the extra word Li? It should just say Anshe Kodesh Tiyun. Why does it say Tiyun Li Mamleches Kohen V'Gai Kadosh? And the answer is, you want to be on God's team? You want to be playing for God? You want to bear God's logo, God's endorsement? You want God to be your sponsor? Then to be Lee is to live a life of mindfulness between man and man and between man and God. Passion bin Adam Lamakum and compassion bin Adam Lachabir.